Today we're going to talk about the Word of God as we think about practices that help us grow, and we're going to talk about how the Bible changes us. The Bible's really unlike any other book. There's a lot of good books in the world, but the Bible's different than any of the others. Those of us who are Christians believe the Bible is um, unique, different than any other book that's ever been written. We believe that the Bible has actually been given to us by God. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I want to just give you a couple reasons before we start in your notes about why the Bible is different, why it's unique. First, the Bible is unique because it and it alone leads us to Jesus Christ. It's so important that Jesus is more than just another religious leader or philosopher. He was God in human flesh, and he demonstrated it by giving his life for us and by resurrecting from the dead. So the Bible is the only book that really leads us to Jesus Christ. The second thing is the Bible tells us how God wants us to live, how and why we're supposed to live. The Bible tells us some things about your life that you'll never understand until you see it in God's Word. The third thing, the Bible gives us a hope for the future. This world actually is not all there is to life, and we know that there is a God in heaven who's waiting for those who believe in Him. And the fourth thing is because the Bible has supernatural power. It has power that no other book has. It has the power to change lives. Psalm 33 verse 6 says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. <clears throat> I don't know what your thought about the origins of the earth is. Maybe you call it the Big Bang. Well, this describes that thing. In a split second, God said, let there be, and bang, there was. Let there be light, and there was light. Actually, I think it takes an enormous amount of faith to believe that it was all just an accident, something that has such a complex design uh, as our universe has, to think that it didn't have a cause. And, and, we, and we know about cause and effect. God is the cause. God says, let there be the effect. When God speaks, it happens. When Jesus was walking on the planet some 2,000 years ago, he healed people. He even brought some back to life. How did he do it? Simply by his word. And the miracles that Jesus did were, were widely seen by people. Sometimes just two or three, but oftentimes hundreds, even thousands of people, Jesus would speak and something would happen. He would speak and they were fed. He would speak and life would come into them. God said, that's the power of God's word. God said, and he tells us in his scripture, Jesus said that his words were spirit and life. John 6, verse 63, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So what Jesus is telling us is that when I talk, it's not just words. When I talk, there's unlimited spiritual power. And that kind of power can transform a society, it can transform people, it can transform history. Words that God speaks can do the impossible. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active. Everyone say living and active. The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Wow, 
the Word of God is sharp. It's sharper than a scalpel of a skilled surgeon. The Word of God has the ability to cut right to the heart of an issue. The Word of God has the ability to point out stuff in my life that's wrong and that needs adjustment. The Word of God is living and active. <clears throat> Sometimes people try to use the Word of God like a chainsaw, but it's not. It's more precise than that. It's a scalpel. It can do the fine work that needs to be done in my life. I wonder if you ever stop to think about that. What, what work needs to be done in my life? What work needs to be done in your life? What are the things in your life that you don't like? What are the things in your life that you don't want? What are the things in your life that you know need changing? In fact, you've tried to change them in the past, and you've struggled with it. The Bible says that the Word of God can change things in your life that even you can't change on your own. A hundred years ago, a famous pastor from Chicago, Deal Moody, said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. So I want to talk about that today. How does the Word of God change me? And the first thing it does, it recreates my life. And what that means is that when my life is falling apart, when I feel like I've gotten to the end of my rope, God comes in and recreates my life. He, he gives me a whole new life. He gives me a fresh start. He lets me begin again. We, we call it in Christianity being born again, and it's radical. To be born again is dramatic. Born again means you get a whole new life. It doesn't mean you just turn over a whole new leaf. It means you get a whole new life. James 1.18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. This spiritual birth, this salvation comes through the word of truth. Without God, you couldn't get saved. Without the Word of God, you wouldn't even know about heaven. You wouldn't even know that there's a Savior. <clears throat> because we know that there's a heaven. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. We wouldn't know about Jesus dying on the cross except for the Bible. We wouldn't know that to trust Him for salvation, that He's the only way. We wouldn't know that God has a purpose for our life. We wouldn't know any of those things that you need to know in order to know God if it wasn't for the Bible. God's not silent. You know this about our God? Our God is a communicating God. And He's chosen to reveal Himself to us because He wants us to know Him. God knows everything about you, and He wants you to know about Him. The Word of God's often compared to planting a seed in your life. Once it takes root in your heart and, and sprouts and begins to grow, it eventually bears fruit. And then you see all these changes begin to happen for good in your life. 1 Peter 1.23 says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. In other words, <clears throat> eternal, through the living and enduring Word of God. If you circle on your note sheet <clears throat> the phrase living and enduring, the Bible is not just a bunch of words. It is living and enduring God's Word. So it starts off, the Bible does, the Word of God, by recreating my life, but there's more to it than that. The second way the Bible helps change me, that God's Word changes me, is it eradicates my guilt. I don't have to go around with guilt in my life anymore. I don't have to go around with shame in my life. I don't have to go around with regrets. seems like almost everybody gets stuck with some memories from their past that they can't seem to ever get over. Sometimes it's because somebody's hurt them. And because of that, they have resentment. 
And sometimes it's because they hurt somebody else. And because of that, they have guilt. But I want you to be absolutely clear about this. God doesn't want you going through life carrying the baggage of resentment and guilt. God wants you to be free from guilt. God wants to give you a clean slate. Did you know that? Did you know that God wants you to escape from those feelings of resentment and guilt? He wants to eradicate all of that from your life. I had a lady several months back stop by my office. She began to pour out a really, really sad story. She was telling me about all the mistakes she'd made in her life. And man, she had made a lot of them. And she was distraught, and as she told me her story, she began to weep, weep, almost, you know, she had those sobbing kind of just, she just couldn't keep going hardly, and she just kept saying, I feel so guilty, I feel so guilty. And, um, you know, I often wonder, what do you say here? And, and I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit brought a couple verses to mind. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I call that the soap dish verse. That's the verse where God says, hey, when you confess your sins, I'll give you a bath. Not only am I going to forgive you, I'm going to wipe it out. We're going to get rid of all that dirt in your life. That's a cleansing verse. That's a disinfecting verse. God says, that's what I'm going to do. When you confess your sins, I'm going to clean you up. <clears throat> Romans 8.1 came to mind. There is now no condemnation. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Not any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Which means all those wrong things I've done in my life, God's not going to punish me for those things. He's not. Why? Because Jesus already took all those things and took all that punishment on the cross. Yeah, well, what about the sins I'm going to commit tomorrow? those too. There's no condemnation. And when you begin to understand that, it's such a guilt reliever. It's such a shame reducer. Friends, the Bible is given to help cleanse our lives from guilt and shame. Let me show you a couple more verses. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. What? Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Circle that phrase, through the word. That says, when I take the Word of God and fill my mind with it, it cleanses all the dirt and junk and grime and grit and shame and sin. All that stuff, it cleanses that from my life. That's what the Word of God does. It makes me clean inside. It, it's a spiritual cleansing so that my guilt is eradicated. Number three, the Word of God recreates my life when it activates my faith. Not only does it eliminate all the bad stuff, it creates the good stuff. It activates my faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can't see. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered most people are not that confident. Most people are not very courageous. Most people are afraid to take risks because they have a deep fear of failure. People are filled with all kinds of fears of failure, and because of that, they just don't walk very confidently. But here's something you need to know about faith. Faith is word activated. The Bible says this in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, help me, hearing where? By the word of God. 
Faith is activated by the Word of God. And that's the difference between the Bible and some other really good self-help books. Self-help books often tell you some pretty good stuff. They tell you the right thing to do, but they don't give you any power to do it. You read a self-help book, and it says, if you really want to succeed in life, then stop worrying. Okay, that's great. That's helpful. How do you stop worrying? Self-help books tell you all the right things to do. And they're right about a lot of things, but they don't give you the power. Because those books aren't living. They're not alive, but the Word of God is living and it's active. God's Word not only tells us what to do, it gives you the power to do it. I'm going to share a little story about myself. If you come to step one next Saturday, you hear the whole story at at next step. Um, But back in the spring of 2000, our church was going through a pretty rough time. Um, There were major disagreements in the leadership and um, most of the things that were happening were pretty negative, and people were leaving the church, and it was a pretty big mess, and so was I. You know, it's hard to lead a church that's a big mess and not be a big mess yourself. From the day the church had been planted, I'd given everything I had into seeing it get established and grow. I was working really hard. I put in massive hours. I put 12, 15 hours a day into it, seven days a week. And to be honest, I I loved every minute of it, but now things were different. I was leading the church, and there was a lot of resistance to that, and people about, had questions about, was I really the right guy to be doing it? Have you ever heard about Alexander's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? I had a year like that. I, I think I was probably in a funk for almost a whole year. It's like I was walking around, there was a black cloud that was just hanging over my head. And I really didn't know how to get out of it. I was doing everything I could do just to keep moving forward. One day, Kurt came to me and said, Dad, you've got to snap out of it. Nobody wants to follow a leader who's depressed. So what do you do when you're going through hell? Well, you keep going. I mean, listen, when you're going through hell, you don't want to stop there. You certainly don't want to camp there. I mean, it's just not a good place to park. When you're going through a rough spot in life, when you're going through hell, you just keep going. So my prayer was not, oh, God, do something great in my life. My prayer was, God, get me through this week. And I just kept doing that. I have to tell you, during that time, I hated it. But I was learning things that were preparing me to handle stuff I would go through later on. I was learning how to deal with enormous levels of stress. I was learning how to manage all kinds of things at the same time. I learned some new skills. I had some significant character development happening in my life. Things I'd never would have learned if I hadn't gone through that horrible, terrible, very bad year. What happened is I was forced to read the Bible. It cut me some slack. Now, I didn't really want to read it. I know I'm a Bible teacher and a preacher, but I I actually had to read it. I was looking for life. And what happened is my faith began to get activated. As I would read it, I found myself gaining more and more courage, gaining more and more strength, gaining more and more confidence. And then somewhere along the line, I realized, hey, maybe I can do this. My confidence isn't in me. My confidence is in Christ. I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. Hey, by the way, that's in the Bible. One of the verses that really activated my faith was in Exodus 23. Moses had died, and Joshua was given the task of leading Israel into the promised land. They're going to cross over the River Jordan and do battle with tribes that are already living in the land, and they, they, they seem to be pretty big and powerful, and Joshua's thinking, I, I can't do this. This is way out of my league. It's too big. The goal is too big. The dream is too big. The vision is too big. God, I'm inadequate for this assignment. So Joshua's given God all these reasons why I can't do it. And then God speaks to Joshua, Exodus 23, verse 29. Listen, Joshua, he says, I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. But listen to this, verse 30. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. God says, Joshua, of course the enemies are bigger than you, but I'm not going to do it all at one time. I'm not going to do it all in the first year. You're going to take it little by little, one battle at a time, and eventually as you grow stronger and stronger, you're going to take it, and I'm going to get, let you have the whole thing, and what I promise you is going to happen, all the blessings that I intended for you, but it's not going to happen all at once. Well, when I read that out of the Bible, it was like a promise from heaven coming directly to me. I thought, okay, I don't have to accomplish all of it right now. I don't have to make it all happen in the first year. I'm going to spend the rest of my life serving Jesus, and I'll do it on his timetable. I'll do it at his pace, and, and he can do whatever he wants to with my life. That gave me tremendous confidence. What happened? Well, the Word of God activated my faith. Now, <clears throat> my friend Anne's going to come and share the next two points. Anne is an outstanding Bible teacher. She teaches more people the Bible here at Silver Creek than anybody I know. So, Anne, would you come and share? Well, you let Kurt leave for a Sunday, and you never know what's going to happen. But the points that I want to share with you um, are just a couple. First of all, I'm just really, really honored to be thought of as someone who teaches the Bible around here. That's, that's very, very, it's, it just makes my day. I don't know what else to say. So I wanted, um, my point is God's word stimulates my growth. So I just have to tell you a little bit about myself to even know that, so that I can tell you that it has stimulated my growth. Because if you don't know where I started, you don't know how I got there. So I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school. I went to Sunday evening service. We even had a thing on Sunday evening that was a lot like Sunday morning Sunday school called training union. We were there. Sunday, Wednesday evening, we went to prayer meeting. As the saying goes, if the doors were open, we were there. I was taught the Bible stories of David and Goliath. I was taught about Daniel in the lion's den. I was taught about creation. God created the heavens and the earth, blah, blah, blah. I was taught the story of Jesus, of how he was born on Christmas, big celebration. I was taught how he died on the cross for me. I was taught amazing things from the Word of God. But I was also taught some things that weren't in the Word of God, that I thought were. I was also taught some things just slightly off kilter. And I was taught some things that were taken out of context. 
So some of the ladies that are in this room that have been in our Bible studies, the rule of context, context rules, always. But one thing I was not taught, I was not taught to be in God's word for myself. I was not taught to develop a relationship with Jesus through his word. So how many of you know how they teach people to know when money is counterfeit? You don't study counterfeit. You study the real thing. So that then when you come across counterfeit, you recognize it. And that's how we should be with God's word. My passion for God's word has been born from the desire to know the truth for myself. I need to know what God says. And those that know me real well know that's not a big surprise because I'm kind of stubborn. But 2 Timothy 3.16, as, we, as Rob talked about a little bit earlier, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us, to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. The growth in my life has been painful at times, I'm not going to lie. There were beliefs that I had to let go of. There were things that I had taught my children that weren't true. There were many beliefs that I had held that had been challenged, and I found myself lacking. I didn't know where to turn or what to do. I found my foundation slipping away. And then there came a moment when I love these moments in the Bible, and I love them even more when they're in my own life, but God. God turned me to his word. He gave me a desire not only to read his word, but to study. As I like to say, we did a deep dive. And I was just no turning back from there. There was no substitute in my life for God's word. There are many people, even in this room, that have so much more Bible knowledge than I have. <clears throat> it's, it's not okay, though, for me to just take somebody else's word for it. I have to know for myself, and I searched, and there's parts of the Bible, there's things that I've been taught and things that I know that I own because I looked for the answers. I searched God's word, and he was faithful to answer me. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, I just can't understand the Bible. It's just too hard. I'll take Kurt's word for it or Rob's, and please don't take my word for it. Always check Bible references and always take them in context. There's that word again. So one of my life verses, you just heard from Rob too, is Philippians 4.13. I used this verse incorrectly for a long time because I was taught it out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But when I took it in context and I took the verses before and after, this verse actually taught me more about relying on Jesus in all circumstances than about being able to do anything that I think I can do. So I'm going to give you the Anne's commentary version, verses 11 through 13. And remember that this is Paul, and he's speaking from prison. And he says, I'm not saying this to you because I need anything. I have learned how to live with abundance, and I've learned how to live in poverty. I've learned how to be content in any circumstance. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It changed that verse for me. So, like I said, I've laid a lot of beliefs I've held for a long time aside. I've replaced some slightly skewed things that I was taught to be more in line with God's word. Some of it's been painful. Some of it disappointing. 
some absolutely joyful, and some very freeing. And some of it, not just a little bit convicting. But overall, worth absolutely every moment of it because it's brought me to a closer relationship with Jesus and it's given me more knowledge how to walk in the way he wants me to walk. And if you let it, if you make it a priority in your life, God's word will stimulate you to growth and it will change your life. The next point is God's word illuminates my mind. Now, I went to Wordy Webster to get a definition of illuminate. Illuminate, he says, is to make light, to throw light on, to supply with light, literally or figuratively, to brighten. And then good old Google says it is, means to help, to clarify, or explain. Psalm 119, 130 says, understanding your word brings light into the minds of ordinary people. Did you catch anything in that verse? Ordinary people. Not just pastors, not just Bible scholars or writers of Bible studies, not just people who write commentaries on the Bible, but ordinary people like me and you. Sometimes I hear some of the ladies say, I just don't want to study the Bible. I can't. It's just too hard. I cannot understand it. I don't. I don't get it. You study it and tell me what it says. Or I'll just listen on Sunday mornings and they'll tell me what it means. But do you know what John says? <clears throat> Jesus says in the book of John? Yeah, you're right. I'm going to tell you. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Who could have a better teacher than the Holy Spirit? Right? So, but for me, bringing to your remembrance, there's some action there that's needed on my part. I can't bring to remembrance something that I've never read, something I've never heard, something that I, I don't know anything about. You actually have to read the Bible. It's not going, it's not something that, You can't put that Bible under your pillow and it's going to just soak in. doesn't work that way. We need to actually click on the light. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. How many of you have walked along a very dark, dark path? I mean, we're not talking downtown Silverton where all the street lights are, but out somewhere where you're camping and there's no lights it gets pretty dark. And if the only light you have is a tiny little flashlight or a candle, you don't see very far, right? You might see far enough to go one step. And where do your eyes always go? They always go to where the light is. The flashlight's over here, that's where your eyes are. God's word is like that. It's like that in our mind. It illuminates enough for me to take one step, just one step. And then that step illuminates another step. And pretty soon, it's, it's allowing me to walk in the way that God would have me to walk. Because God doesn't turn on that megawatt flashlight, you know, that just lights up the universe. It's one small step at a time. And then I can stay on his path. And one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible is Psalm 119. I'm sure you guys all know all about Psalm 119. It's an acrostic. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. 
It is 176 verses. But those verses are all broken apart into like every eight verses is a stanza that starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And one of my favorite verses in that is Psalm 119.73. It says, your hands made me and fashioned me. Give, me. give me understanding that I may learn your commands. Now that sounds really nice, doesn't it, in the ESV? And I love this verse even more when it's in the NLT. It says, you made me, you created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. I love that. However, we have to know God's commands before we can follow them. So my prayer for each of us here, for me, for all of you, is that God would put within your heart an unquenchable thirst for his word. And one more plug before uh, Rob kicks me out of here. We have three Bible studies going on here at Silver Creek Fellowship for women. There's two on Wednesday night and one on Monday mornings. And I know that we would all love to see you guys there. Thank you. Thank you. The sixth way God changes my life is through his word is it's a big one. It it elevates my mood. There's a lot of times actually that we really need a mood elevator. Would you agree with that? Actually, maybe you're going through a time like that right now, where you need something to help you get out of the dumps. You're having a situation where you just feel like nobody really understands me, nobody really cares. Maybe you've been sponsoring a pity party for yourself, and you're the only one who came. And um, when you feel like you're down in the dumps, the thing that you don't need, sorry, you don't need a Red Bull. You don't need a Mountain Dew. You don't need a coffee break. Wait, actually, what you need, you need a Bible break. You need the Word of God. God gave us the Bible to encourage us. It's a mood elevator. Romans 15, verse 4, he says, everything, say that with me, everything that was written in the past, he's talking about the Bible, was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. Uh, there's four words I want you to circle in that verse. First, circle everything. Second, encouragement. Third, the scriptures. Fourth, hope. He says, everything that's been written in the Bible is given to encourage you so that you'll have hope. The next time you get discouraged, the next time you feel fatigued, the next time that you just feel like you've run out of zip, instead of coming home and turning on the television, reach for your Bible. Listen to Dr. Luke instead of Dr. Phil. You know, the Bible has the power to change your life. Television doesn't have that power. The the Bible has that power because it has the power of God in it. See, the Bible was designed by God to elevate your mood. And that's why every day you need to spend a little time in the Bible. I don't care what you call it. Maybe you call it daily devotions, or maybe you call it a, a, a... 
quiet time or whatever you call it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you do it. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's just every day you need a little bit of God's word in your life. You know, <clears throat> when we did um, 40 days in the word, we coached people to have a quiet time, usually in the morning, but any time that works for you. Where maybe you grab your cup of coffee, read a few Bible verses, listen to God for a minute, just quietly write a few things down, and just get God's Word into it. You don't have to read a chapter a day. Read something a day. One more thing. It liberates my potential. This is important because only your Creator, only God, knows your full potential. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my very favorite verses, says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, what, what God's telling Jeremiah, everyone else is whispering to Jeremiah about his future, and says, Jeremiah, you don't know your full potential. Friends, did you know that? You don't know your full potential. Your parents don't know your full potential. Your spouse doesn't know your full potential. Your friends don't know your full potential. Only the God who created you knows what you're truly capable of. So you're going to have to spend time in God's Word to help you get out of the boxes that everyone else has already put you in. Right now, I think most people live for the approval of others. Most people worry about what other people think. And so your life has been somewhat limited as you were growing up. When people told you things like, you can't do that. You'll never be any good at that. You'll never amount to anything. How about this one? Why can't you be more like your brother? I feel so sorry for my little sister and brother, because I'm sure they just heard that all the time from my parents. <laughs> Why can't you just be more like your brother? Yeah, you were... See, you, you were told those things, and what happens is you believed them. And then you've been playing those tapes over and over again in your mind for a long time. But listen to this. They lied. They lied to you. They don't know what your potential is. They don't know what you're capable of. You don't even know what you're capable of. of, capable of. Only God knows your full, full potential. Only God can really set you free to do the thing he created you to do. Why? Because he's got the truth. That's why Jesus said this. John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you truly are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what for you? The truth will set you free. How? If you continue in my word. If you continue in God's word, it will set you free. It will unlock your potential. It will liberate you. And that's the band to come back up. <clears throat> How about you guys? Would you like to have your life recreated after things have fallen apart? Would you like to have your guilt eradicated after all those wrong things that have happened in your life? Would you like to have your faith activated so that you'd have more confidence and more courage? Would you like to have your growth stimulated so you can become really all God meant you to be? Would you like to have your mind illuminated so that you can make wise decisions? Would you like to have your mood elevated? so that you're not always down in the dumps? Would you like to have your potential liberated? Are you interested in any of those things? Because friends, you get it all in the Bible. You get it all in God's Word. You're not going to get any of that on the internet. You're not going to get any of that on cable TV. None of your friends are going to get that done for you. 
The only way you're going to have all these things is you've got to get into God's Word, get into the Bible. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you that it gives us life. Thank you that your Word changes us to be the people that you created us to be, that you designed us to be, that you desired us to be. So Lord, speak to us today and give us the motivation to study your Word and to memorize your Word and to apply it to our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.